For tuning in to the 118th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk, wherever you are, however you may be listening, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, iHeartRadio, or any other podcasting app, Google Podcasts, Google Music, etc. Host Daryl Dominique Lane, as always, being recorded from Amherst, New York. Next week, we will be back on the road. We will be at John Carroll University, Murphy Hall, University of Ohio, right, John Carroll? Right now, we're still in Buffalo, Amherst specifically. Can't give up the address because mama wouldn't like that. I'm going to have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler podcast on about 10, 12 minutes. Going to talk college football with Ben as usual. Ben Karen, college football savant. Um, then I'm just going to call him the Paul Feinbaum of college football. You know, Paul Paul Feinbaum works for ESPN. They call him uh, the, 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 like the mouse of the South. Ben Karen, he, he covers all college football. He knows all college football. So we're going to talk a little bit of just NFL with him. Want to get his take on Seattle Green Bay? Seattle fan. Oh, the head coaching hires of guys like Matt Rule and Joe Judge. I'm going to talk to Ben about that as well. be very interesting. Now, here's what I, I want to start with. And it's interesting, right? Head coaching hires happened this week. Matt Rule from Baylor University. Joe Judge. Hired by the... Joe Judge, a wide receivers coach uh, for the New England Patriots and special teams coordinator, I believe. Joe Judge, now with the New York Football Giants. Matt Rule, now with the Carolina Panthers. And there is a lot of controversy and a lot of talk. And Mike McCarthy, also hired by the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers in about 2010, I believe, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. As a sixth seed that year, actually. Everybody's talking about no minorities are being hired, right? Four minority coaches in the NFL and a league that is majority black. And I don't know what to do about that. I don't know how you necessarily fix that. And I don't know what the problem is. Is it racism? Is it ignorance? Is it preference? I don't know. Incompetence, maybe? Incompetence, just not knowing? Just not being smart? Just not knowing football? And maybe that can be the issue. Maybe that could be the problem. Maybe it's not that these owners, they're bad at heart. Maybe just that they don't know what the hell they're doing, right? Here's what uh, the Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, had to say about Matt Rule and hiring him. He dresses like explicative and sweats all over himself. He dresses like me, so I have to love the guy. Tepper said via ESPN's David Newton, I was short order cook. He was a short order cook too. Nobody gave him anything. Nobody gave me anything. He had to work hard for everything he got. You remind me of me, so how about I hire you, buddy? You know, that can work in Apple. That can work at Google. I don't necessarily know how that works because I'm not into tech and technology like that. That's not my forte. My forte is sports. I like talking sports. And I know sports. And that's not how you hire somebody in sports. That's not how you hire a head coach. How you hire a leader of men. Because he reminds you of yourself. (laughs) Right? I'm going to hire the white guy that reminds me of me to go talk to majority African Americans. Okay, that makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And that's not even necessarily the issue. But just that logic... Just because he reminds you of you, that does not mean he can do the job. And by the way, I love Mike McCarthy getting hired by the Dallas Cowboys. I have no problem with that. Joe Judge and Matt Rule are suspect. Now, let's start with Matt Rule. Yes, he turned around Baylor. But let me tell you this. Was he a better coach than Art Bryles was at Baylor? No. Art Bryles had a Heisman Trophy winner in Robert Griffin III. Our brows made Brett um, Petty a couple years ago a draft, an NFL draft pick at quarterback. He didn't make the program better than when our Bryles was there. Is he even the best coach in his own conference? No, that's Lincoln Riley in the Big 12. 
He's not a Dabo Sweeney or a Nick Saban or even a Jim Harbaugh took his team to three straight NFC Championship games. Huh. Then we get to Joe Judge. I have never heard a damn word about Joe Judge. I, I don't know who the hell Joe Judge is. He was a special teams coordinator, receivers coach in New England. Great lineage, Bill Belichick. But you want to know what? Most of Bill Belichick's disciples have not done well in the NFL. They haven't. Matt Patricia's struggling right now in Detroit. Brian Flores only won five games this year, even though he's on the come up with the, the Miami Dolphins. Josh McDaniels got fired from Denver many, many moons ago. Everybody consistently hates and crap talks on Bill O'Brien. So you don't know. How could he be hired then? Bill Belichick's coaching tree hasn't been that successful. It's easy to bring the New England system the Patriots' way and win when you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, but Joe Judge isn't bringing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick with him. Hmm. Suspect hires. You know, there's a reason why the Panthers have not been good of lately, and there's a reason why the Giants have not been good lately. Bad, or, bad organizations, bad general managers, bad coaches, people in positions of power not knowing what they are doing. And it's not even a white-black thing, to tell you the truth. If you're going to hire Matt Rule, why not hire Urban Meyer? Hell, why not pay $15 million and go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and give it to that man Nick Saban, who has been the golden standard in college football? How about not... Trying to see, invest. You know, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, they're going through issues right now. Bill Belichick coached under Bill Parcells with the New York football giants. How about seeing if Bill Belichick is interested? And that's probably light years away and probably far-fetched. But why not see that? Why Matt Rule? Because he reminds you of yourself? That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now I'll talk about this, right? Uh, I have a really interesting theory. Very interesting sports theory. Now, here's my theory. The New England Patriots, they need a quarterback, right? Uh, Brady's getting old. Brady struggled this year. Now, what quarterback is coming out? Jake Fromm uh, just declared. Joe Burrow was probably going to be the number one overall pick, right? But two attack of a low, quarterback from Alabama. I think the Patriots can get him. But to how? How can they get to it? Let me explain this to you in my theory. Who was two attack of a low's coach at Alabama? Nick Saban. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick were on the same coaching staff together in Cleveland. Nick Saban was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator. Bill Belichick has drafted Alabama players in the past like a Dante Hightower. So Bill Belichick can ask Nick Saban, how's Tua looking? How's Tua's personality? Can Tua fit our system? Can Tua be coachable? How's Tua's hip? And then if that all checks out, Patriot can trade up. You might say, oh my God, how are they going to get him? Right? Two's going to be drafted top five. How? They're going to have to trade up, right? Patriots have picks next year. Trade the first rounder this year. And then you ask the question, who are they going to trade up with? Which team would want to help start a new Patriots dynasty? Right? Now, let me tell you how the draft is going to go. And everybody already knows this that knows football, uh, especially in football circles. And you'll see this in every month draft. Joe Burrows won to Cincinnati. Chase Young to the Washington Redskins. Number three, the Detroit Lions. People have uh, talked about Jeff uh, Akuda, cornerback from Ohio State. People have also talked about Derek Brown, a defensive interior defensive tackle, an interior defensive lineman from Auburn. How about the Patriots trade with the Lions? Now, why would the Lions trade with the Patriots? Who was Bill Belichick's defensive coordinator in New England? Who was an co assistant coach for him in New England? Who was on the coaching staff with him in New England? Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia does Bill Belichick a solid. Hey, I'll give you number three pick for a bunch of picks. What have the Patriots historically done? Trading down for more. Bill Belichick as a disciple of Matt Patricia, who would probably trade down for more. The Lions, they have their quarterback. They don't need it to attack Valoa. They have Matthew Stafford. The Lions trade down. 
they get picks so they can build up their program and get more players that can fit the system. The Patriots trade up to number three, and they draft two attack of Aloha. Just a really interesting theory that I have. Maybe we'll see more of this. Maybe we'll see here some steam. I'm just saying, if we hear some steam, if you hear some steam out there, Patriots might trade up looking for a quarterback, looking for a player. Tom Brady's not going to return to New England. If you hear any of this stuff, remember, you heard it here first. Two attack of Aloha to the New England Patriots. Now, cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to have Ben Karen, host of the Sports Wilder Podcast on the show. Cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have my good friend, Ben Karen, host of the Sports Squabbler Podcast. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Daryl. Long time no see, my friend. <laughs> yeah, last time you came on the show, uh, you had some breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> I- I- I'm still waiting for when the report comes out that you're having twins, Ben. <laughs> uh, well... I'll have to keep Jake Laser posted, man. Okay. Now, now that would be some breaking news, right? <laughs> okay, Ben. First question I got for you, right? Two attack of Aloha. One of the best college quarterbacks uh, this year, the last couple of years, potential number one overall pick candidate, decides to leave Alabama, declare for the NFL draft. Last time you were on the show, you said you thought Tua would stay. Tua proved you wrong. I kind of was feeling, I was like, I didn't know. But what are your thoughts about Tua's decision to leave Alabama? Because I know you thought he would stay. Well, Daryl, I think that Tua must have some kind of inside information uh, that the general public does not have. I'm wondering exactly what that is. I'm wondering if maybe, you know, even in his mind, he's looking at a possible destination such as the Miami Dolphins. There's something appealing about that for him. Um, You know, perhaps he he likes uh, Brian Flores or, you know, might be excited to play with Devontae Parker. Um, I I just, I get the feeling like there's something going on behind the scenes, Gerald, that we just don't know yet. But I think it's going to come to light eventually. It might not happen until after the draft. But I do believe if he comes out, he's, he's likely my, uh, a Miami Dolphin. So you think that there was some information uh, given to whether it be Nick Saban, Tua, or his family that Miami would be the ideal destination for that he would be probably going to Miami in all likelihood and he'd be drafted pretty high to go there? That, that's the conclusion I'm drawing from the decision he's made. Now, here's what I want to ask. So now that Tua has declared for the draft, and in my opinion, I was really thinking about this because you see all these mock drafts. They have Joe Burrow, number one. But I was kind of like, well, if you look at all their traits, you know, let's break it down. They're both accurate. Tua is more accurate. They're both mobile. Tua is more mobile. They both have decent arms. Tua has a bigger arm. Uh, they both have played in big stage games. Tua has played in more big stage games. Tua is the better quarterback. So... Why won't Tua be drafted number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals instead of Joe Burrow? Well, I think, Daryl, at this point in time, it's a durability issue. It's always good to start with a quarterback that you know is going to be available right away, especially when you're in a situation like Cincinnati's in where you don't really have uh, a reliable quarterback at this point in time. You know, some may disagree with me about Dalton. You know, I think Dalton might be a, a, a reasonable second-string quarterback, but as far as starting potential, I think at this point in time, with the talent that's been around him over years, we pretty much know what we're getting with Andy Dalton, and he's just not a starting quarterback in the NFL. And then the other option would be uh, Ryan Finley, I believe, from North Carolina State who we saw play a little bit this year for the Bengals, and there was nothing too eye-popping about him either. So I think from the way the Bengals are looking at this, is they want to get somebody in that might be able to start right away, which seems to be a trend that's 
developing more and more as the years go on here with the uh, NFL. Now, it's real interesting, too, when we talk about both Tua and Joe Burrow. And here's my concern, and it's a concern I have for both of them. If you look at this year, right, Tua. Tua's always had the best offensive line, the best head coach. His receivers are Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, who are both going to be first-rounders, and Devontae Smith, who might be a first-rounder, too. And I believe their, other, their fourth receiver is going to be a first-rounder next year. He has everything set up perfectly for him, elite defense. Same with Joe Burrow's. He has Chase. He has uh, Justin Jefferson. He has uh, they, his offensive line, one offensive line of the year in college football. The defense was really good. The secondary is always great in LSU. How much concern would you have that these two guys, for their whole college career, have played with the best <coughs> players and have feasted on inferior competition, even though they're in the SEC, but have had the better team, and they're going to go to a team that isn't that good? I think regardless of whether or not they have talent around them, it still takes a special kind of quarterback to go out and win a national championship, which we know too is already done. And I truly believe that Joe Burrow is on the verge of doing that. I think we'll be um, talking about him and the Tigers uh, next week at this time being national champions. I, I think in some regards, they both might be a little bit overrated, um, but there's no no questioning that when you're when you're looking at it, these guys are probably the two top quarterback prospects uh, that are going to be in the draft coming up. Now, where I do want to ask now is too, because two is gone. Who does Alabama replace him with? Please repeat. Who does Alabama replace Tua with? I would assume they're going to replace him with Mac Jones. <laughs> Could Alabama win a championship with Mac Jones? As long as they, they, they coach, they always have a shot. And it's not not like Mac Mac Brown. Mac Jones is a is a terrible quarterback or anything like that. I mean, he's able to get the job done against Michigan, who's a you know a pretty respectable team. And I'm sure you know just having another year in the system. Uh, is really going to benefit Mac Jones. When you're Alabama, um, you definitely get the cream of the crop when it comes to quarterbacks. He just might need a little bit of time to develop. Now, Sam Ellinger... I think they're championship with him next year, possibly. Now, Sam Ellinger, uh, he's decided to stay. What are your thoughts on that? Quarterback for Texas, Sam Ellinger. Daryl is Sam Ellinger has unfinished business with the Longhorns. I think that back in 2018, they beat Georgia, and you know he's making these comments about well Texas is back, Texas is back, and you know then this year I think a lot of people are really expecting uh, big things from Texas, and I think there's a little bit of a of a sophomore slump for him, a little bit of a letdown. Uh, they came up short against Oklahoma, and they didn't get the job done against LSU. I really feel like what Sam Ellinger is after is a chance to possibly compete for a national title. And I think that's why he's going to continue to come back. I like his attitude. I like his leadership. I like his arm strength. There's a lot of things to like about Ellinger. I think he's got to be a little bit more careful uh, with the ball. And just, you know, with some of the throws, he has to learn to read defenses a little bit better. But he's got a lot of potential. And I think if he keeps coming back, they're eventually going to have their chance where they're going to be the, uh, the team to beat in the Big 12. Ooh. Now... Heisman odds come out. Justin Fields is ahead of Trevor Lawrence for next year. I know you're a huge Trevor Lawrence guy, Ben. Do people have it wrong on saying Justin Fields should be ahead of Trevor Lawrence for Heisman odds for next year? I think uh, Lawrence should definitely be ahead of Fields. Again, I, I don't think that Fields is a bad quarterback, but in my opinion, he's just not Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Nobody's Trevor Lawrence in your opinion, Ben. 
it's not not much of a criticism, you know. I mean, he'll be really good and not be Trevor Lawrence. Fields might even be good enough to be a starter in the NFL. But Trevor Lawrence, man, I just get this feeling about him like he's going to be an all-time great. Is Trevor is Trevor Lawrence the best quarterback you've seen this decade? Last 10, 15 years. Coming out of college? Yes. Oh. Do you look at him and say he's better than Cam Newton was in 2010? He's better than um Andrew Luck when he was coming out? Do you look at him and say he's better than guys like that? You know, I'm, I'm going to say yes. The only guy that I can really think of that to me stacks up against him and really even compares to him that I've seen in the last, you know, 15 years or so would, would probably be uh, Cam Newton and possibly Vince Young. But Trevor Lawrence has that opportunity to win multiple championships and almost build a dynasty uh, in college football, and I think that's remarkable. I think a lot rides on this game on Monday, as we've already talked about, for both teams and their legacies moving forward. But I believe that Trevor can pretty much etch his name in stone as one of the greatest uh, college football quarterbacks of all time if he gets the job done against LSU on Monday. Now I want to talk about the NFL, right? Head coaching hires galore. Uh, we have uh, McCarthy being hired by the Dallas Cowboys. We have Matt Rule being hired by the Panthers. And we have Joe Judge being hired by the New York Football Giants. And a big question that came up was in terms of, you know, uh, the reportsity of African Americans to players and coaches and, you know, all these guys being white men and they're not being a single African American coach that was hired and talks about the Rooney, well, Rooney Rule. I want to know, what are your thoughts on that, Ben? I think when, when you look at some of the hires, it doesn't really apply. And, and then when you, when you look at kind of what happened with uh, Joe Judge today and the New York Giants, uh, that to me was really what I started to hear about a lot of people getting upset about this and this becoming a relevant uh, topic uh, for, you know, this year. I mean, it's come up in the past, but I, I personally uh, do think there's some truth um, to what people are saying about that. When you uh, look at um, some of the decisions that get made, it, it, it kind of becomes clear to me that there's some favoritism happening. Um, you're, you're definitely not going to convince me that Joe Judge is a better head coach prospect um, than Kansas City offensive coordinator. Brett Belima, I think his name is Belima. You've seen what Eric uh, can do as far as developing talent like uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then I just feel like, like maybe he should have had a shot at that New York Giants job, to be honest with you. I felt like he was maybe more qualified. I, I had to do about 20 minutes or so of research uh, just so I could kind of familiarize myself with who Joe Judge was before I came on your podcast tonight because I didn't know anything about him. <laughs> Neither did I, Ben. Because, Ben, it's funny. When everybody was talking about the Patriots the last couple of years, they were talking about Matt Patricia, then um, Brian Flores, and then everybody's always talking about Josh McDaniels. Even this year, people talk about Stephen Belichick. I've never heard of Joe Judge. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when, you, when you look at, though, uh, we'll say this, too, kind of uh, on, on the race topic. The name that I was hearing a lot that was getting thrown out there was Marvin Lewis. And he's a coach that I'm very familiar with. Uh, he crafted uh, that defense with Ray Lewis and the Baltimore Ravens in the early 2000s. They won a Super Bowl, and then he uh, coached my Cincinnati Bengals for a long time. I don't think the teams deciding not to hire Marvin is necessarily a racial thing. Um, I think for, for most teams, honestly, that's an Owen, that's a an 0-7 playoff record kind of thing. And I can't say I blame teams for that. And there's also some reports that Marvin wanted to bring Hugh Jackson wherever he went. And, you know, Daryl, when you're 3-36 as a head coach in the NFL, 
you're going to get skeptics out there, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, that, that's just the facts. But I do believe in the right kind of situation, Marvin would be very successful. You know, just looking around at some of these jobs, I might have been able to see him on the New York Giants or in that Cleveland Browns kind of position, but with, with what Dallas is hoping to accomplish and trying to make breakthroughs in the playoffs, it's pretty clear to me Marvin wasn't the proper candidate for that job. Um, I will say that I'll hats off to some of uh, the African-American head coaches that are in the NFL right now. They're doing some outstanding work. Uh, now, Mike Tomlin, I don't think, has had a losing record since he's been the coach of the Steelers. And he's been there now for probably over a decade, easily. Um, so, you know, that's outstanding. And then, uh, how about the job Brian Flores did in Miami this year? I don't know a lot of people are talking about that, but, you know, before the season started, a lot of people thought that Miami might be an all-time terrible team, and they ended up winning five games. And, and I think that, you know, that they might start to look like a pretty enticing desti destination to some of these free agents, uh, too. And I think Brian Flores has a lot to do with that. Now, Ben. I want to go about each of these. I want to talk to you individually about each of three of these coaching hires, and I want your opinion on it. Because you text me around noonish, and you're like, what, what, what's going on, Daryl? What is all the disrespect with uh, McCarthy, with uh, Matt McCarthy? What is all with Mike McCarthy, excuse me? What is all the disrespect? That's what you asked me, and, I, and I'm kind of just like, I didn't know how to respond. I was like, I didn't know there was any disrespect going on because I think that's a Smart, solid football hire. He won a Super Bowl. He had Aaron Rodgers. He was renowned as an offensive guy. I think he's a good leader of men. He's a good manager of people. I, I think he can provide a lot of structure for guys like Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Amari Cooper, and uh, Jerry Jones of the whole Dallas Cowboys organization. So how do you feel about the hire? I love the hire for the Cowboys. I think if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan today, you wake up really happy. I know that Mike McCarthy is not going to be as flashy as, say, a Lincoln Riley or Urban Ryder and guys like that. And I think some of the media members, they, they just wanted a hire that was uh, going to have, you know, a really big reaction. But when you, when you really start to look at things, Mike McCarthy, like you said, he's Super Bowl champion, winning record as the head coach in the NFL. He got in the last 13 seasons. He had double-digit wins. He's a big-time football coach, Daryl. And when you look at what Dallas is really trying to accomplish, they're already certifying of getting into the playoffs. Mike McCarthy is definitely the kind of guy that can take them and get them over that hurdle. And I also think, and I know I've, I've heard some people talking about this, you know, it is looking like they're going to have to probably uh, pay up to keep Dak Prescott. And in that kind of a situation, you really want to hire an offensive coach that can get the most out of Dak uh, with that in mind. And I think McCarthy is the right guy for that job. Now, I want to go to a Matt Rule. Uh, to me, th this is, I I'm okay with McCarthy. Matt Rule and Joe Judge, those I'm not necessarily the most fond of, and we can start with Matt Rule. Uh, I don't even know if he's universally considered the best coach in his own conference. I think most people would say that's Lincoln Riley. I mean, is he a top five coach in college football? No. I can understand if you want to hire Dabo Sweeney. He's going to be playing next Monday in the national championship game. I mean... Nick Saban, obviously, me and you have had this, these conversations multiple times with Nick Saban going to a team on and off air. Jim Harbaugh won, went to three straight NFC Championship games to the San Francisco 49ers. Why Matt Rule? I don't understand it. Well, I think it's the trend of the times in the NFL. Everybody's looking for younger coaches, more offensively-minded coaches. Everyone's trying to get that next... Um, Sean McVay, if you will. Now, in the process of doing that, though, I see teams doing desperate things. Teams like my hometown Arizona Cardinals went out and hired Cliff Kingsbury. Um, 
you know, and Cliff didn't even have a winning record in college football. <laughs> Which, by the way, to our last point um, about the Rooney Rule, they also got rid of Steve Wilkes, which I thought was ridiculous after one season when he was starting um, Josh Rosen, who was on rookie year at the time. Um, so I, I just, I can't really wrap my mind around it, but everything nowadays, they want that offensive wizard coming in. They see, I think, some of the success with some of the other guys, too. Guys like Matt Nagy that have been really successful. And everybody seems to want a piece of that. But I agree with you. I don't think Rule is, is the best coach in the Big 12. I'm not even sure he's the second best coach. <laughs> I kind of like Tom Herman ahead of him. I will say that what Rule has done is in terms of turning around Temple, turning around Baylor, that's impressive. Baylor competed in every football game this year. They didn't really get buried by anybody. They had their chance to beat Oklahoma and almost did it. They were in the game against Georgia. Well, and even I'll even say this, Ben. We can go back to Baylor's previous years, and I know our Bryles, there was some scandalous and some devious and shady things that were going on. That's why he's no longer there. But Baylor was better under our Bryles than they were with our Matt Rule. Wouldn't you agree with that? I, I would agree with it. I don't think that... Matt Rule is as good of a football coach as everybody seems to be giving him credit for right now. And I have to be honest with you, Daryl, if you start this season with a guy like Ron Rivera that's taking your team to the Super Bowl and you go into the offseason with Matt Rule as your head coach, to me that feels like you lost. <laughs> I mean, Washington is probably ecstatic about this because for all of Dan Snyder's faults, he, he got right in there and took Ron Rivera uh, right off the table, man. And I, I, I give Snyder some respect on that. I think that that was a, um, a veteran-level move by, by Snyder and, and the Washington Redskins. Uh, but as, as far as Carolina goes, if, if you were just going to go out and get Matt Rule, I, I would have just kept Ron Rivera in a heartbeat because I think Rivera is a much better coach. Do you think this means Cam Newton stays or goes with the addition of Matt Rule? I feel like Cam Newton's on his way out the door. I'm not sure what they're going to do. Is it is a backup plan? And I don't think it's the smartest thing to do, but I think some of the team, potentially the Chicago Bears, um, you know, maybe, maybe uh, the New Orleans Saints or the Patriots might pick him up if their quarterbacks decide to leave, but I do think Cam will start somewhere, but I'm not sure that it's going to be on the Panthers at this point in time. I don't think he really fits in with rule schemes. Now, Joe Judge, and it's so interesting that he gets hired and, and, and Josh McDaniels doesn't, and I have an interesting theory on that, and I I'm kind of wondering if there might be some personality things going on with McDaniels because there's no reason. Like, it's unfathomable to me that Joe Judge gets hired, but Josh McDaniels could be left holding the bag again. I don't know. He kind of reneged on the Colts and left them at the altar. Uh, people have always kind of said stuff about him. Like, why is Joe Judge the, the coach of the New York Football Giants, like, one of the premier franchises in the NFL? Like, that makes no sense to me. And he's never been an offensive, defense, or special teams coordinator. I mean, he has been yeah. a special teams coordinator, I believe. He was a special teams coordinator, right? He was, yes, for the Patriots. But, Dude, that's something I'm trying to really wrap my mind around to, Daryl. At, at this point in time, I think a lot of teams feel like the bridge has been burned between them and possibly hiring Josh McDaniels uh, due to what he did. Uh, with the Colts, I think there's a lot of teams now that aren't even willing to give him a chance. And I think that he's more of a known entity at this point in time than Joe Judge is. We got to see McDaniels coach with the Broncos. Albeit that was probably about 10 years ago now, but that's the point I guess I'm trying to make is it wasn't especially memorable. And it wasn't especially successful. So 
I'm not sure that Josh McDaniels is really being seen as a premier candidate by any of these programs at this point. I did hear, well, that Bill Belichick actually called the Giants and personally recommended Joe Judge and told them that he was ready to uh, be a head coach. And I think that when that happens, that takes you quite a ways. You know, in, in like the field of academia or something like that, that would be like a, like a renowned professor um, writing you a letter of recommendation to a graduate program or something like that. Or, you know, to another college. I think when it comes from somebody that's at the level that Bill Belichick is at, it carries a lot of weight. But then, well, I would ask this. Why didn't Bill Belichick give Josh McDaniels that glowing endorsement? Does that not say something that we don't know about McDaniels? Well, to me, I think it really says more about Joe Judge, but it it may suggest things. I mean, I think that it's at least reasonable to ask this question. I was really shocked when he decided to bail on the Colts. And I'm wondering if there are some underlying personality issues with Josh McDaniels that we don't hear about, but things that maybe Coach Belichick knows about and chooses not to share. Now, I do have to ask this too, Ben, right? Since we're all New England. You're from the New England area. The Patriots lost in a... Interesting fashion. Uh, Tom Brady pick six to end possibly his career and his tenure in New England. Will Brady be back in New England? Is the Patriots dynasty officially over, Ben? The Patriots reign of terror on the NFL. Is it over? I think it's over, Daryl. When uh, an NFL team led by Ryan Tannehill shows up on your turf and beats you, it's not just over, it's dead. And then you say whatever you want, but there is no way that they were stopping Derrick Henry. I mean, he's ran right through them. New England is probably the oldest team in the league. I think they have more starters on their team this past season. They're 29 or older than any other team. And they're probably better than the New York Jets team right now. And I, I think they might split with Buffalo. So you still have New England over Buffalo in the packing order in the AFC East? I think so. I think just slightly, because when you look at it, I love the job Sean McDermott has done as Buffalo's coach, but he's no Bill Belichick. <laughs> oh, Ben, you're telling somebody that watched the Houston Texans uh, game last week, and we know he's no Bill Belichick. <laughs> he's getting there, though. I mean, the guy's got potential, you know. I give your Buffalo Bills some love, but they just they need to grow. That's all that is to it. That was a good experience for them to have going to the playoffs, playing in that kind of game. It's going to get them ready for the future. Oh, Ben, did you watch that game, Ben? By the way, did you watch that I game? I did. I watched it. Well, what were your thoughts on the game, Ben? Well, uh, it, you know, for most of the game, I thought Buffalo was dominating. I think in the second half, they just didn't make enough plays to close the door on a comeback. And when you're playing guys like Deshaun Watson, you have to slam the door in the face. You know, you can't let him get back into the game. Once it went to overtime, Bill, I knew it was already over. Deshaun Watson is super talented. You know, I, I predicted that it'd be close. I predicted that he would make a couple more plays, just kind of a couple of these elite-level plays that Josh Allen is just not capable of making, and we kind of saw that when he broke those tackles at the end and delivered that strike. Will Josh Allen ever be good enough to make those type of plays that Deshaun Watson can make? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Way to inspire confidence, Ben. I like his arm strength, but I don't think he's ever going to be as elusive as Deshaun Watson is. Deshaun kind of reminds me more of like a a Russell Wilson, whereas Josh 
Alan reminds me maybe more of a Brett Favre. Oh, well, I didn't see any Brett Favre on, on Saturday, Ben. <laughs> well, I'm looking for the future, Daryl. I'd be okay with Brett Favre. I'd rather have Brett Favre than Russell Wilson, if that means anything. Uh, <laughs> I think you would too, right, Ben? Okay, now, now, Ben, to go back to the head coach, my dad actually just showed me this. Uh, and I, I did forget to mention the Cleveland Browns. They still do have a uh, vacancy for their head coaching position. And I was just re- uh, reading, actually, before I came on the show with do, to do it with you. Uh, there was a Schefter report. McDaniels, um, I believe the Vikings OC, and uh, Jim Schwartz are candidates for the Browns job. Uh, but let's focus on Josh McDaniels for the purpose of this, right? Uh, John Carroll alum, by the way, uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. How do you think it would be if Josh McDaniels got the job and was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Do you think he could do a good job? I don't. I think it would be a complete disaster. (laughs) Look, Josh McDaniels, we've already speculated that there might be some character issues there. We already speculated he might not be the easiest guy to work with. And I just don't know how I feel about someone that's potentially maybe a little bit immature, a little bit volatile, going into a Cleveland situation. That's immature and volatile? Volatile quarterback. You got OBJ. You have Miles Garrett. I mean, you just just have problems left and right. And and I I think it's going to be one big disaster. I saw McDaniels about 10 years ago coach a Denver team that was a whole lot more mature than, than the Cleveland Browns and he still didn't have success. He was like a 500 coach. How about Jim Schwartz? How, how would you feel about Jim Schwartz? I like Schwartz more than McDaniels, for sure. I think that if you, if you get Jim Schwartz in there, he's going to bring out the optimum uh, level out of your defense. I think the defense is going to ratchet up the intensity. I think that Baker Mayfield is it's going to be a little bit more tame. Schwartz is a pretty intense, intimidating kind of guy. And I think that for a while, he would be able to contain that locker room. He is Admittedly, a pretty volatile guy, though, and I think long term, after a season or two, uh, there'd be some fireworks. And I, I just I can't tell you that I see Jim Schwartz being a long term answer. I think he could potentially have some short term success, a season or two, but long term, I, I would have to vote no. Well, you saw what uh he did when he was coaching in Dominican Sioux. Oh my gosh, you get him and Miles Garrett together. <laughs> well, I'm just waiting for the next time him and uh, Jim Harbaugh get together. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we, we might have to be waiting on that one for a while. And the and the Vikings OC, his name is stumping me at the moment, but the Vikings offensive coordinator. Don't have a lot of familiarity with that coach. Um. You know, at this point in time, but just seeing what the Vikings have been able to do this year, um, he's obviously done a pretty good job. I I, I think that um, you know, considering the fact that I don't think either of the other guys would have much success at all, I'd probably say out of the three, I'd give it to him, even though I don't know much about it. Um, I I personally, though, Daryl, I think the the best candidate for the Cleveland job right now, unless Urban Meyer is willing to do it, or, you know, your guy Nick Saban, uh, probably the the best guy to bring in, in my opinion, would actually be Jason Garrett for that job. Really? I was thinking Marvin Lewis. Yeah, um... I think Marvin would do a good job as well. Um, you know, the, you look at both Jason and Marvin, they're both adults. Uh, they're both pretty mature, pretty level-headed guys. Uh, gonna going to create some stability in that locker room. So I, I like all of those things about them. I mean, the only reason I believe a little bit more towards Garrett as opposed to Lewis is you, you got so much 
talent on the offensive side of the football, I think you you have to bring in a coach that's more offensive minded at this point in time. Now, Ben, divisional round of the playoffs. Give it to me right now. Yeah. Houston Texans versus Kansas City Chiefs. Who you got? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Okay. Tennessee Titans versus the Baltimore Ravens. Who you got? I'm going with Baltimore, but I think it'll be closer than people think. Okay, I agree with you. Tennessee is live, and Tennessee is dangerous, and Derrick Henry is running the ball. like It's going to be close. I think Tennessee is actually very dangerous. NFC. Vikings versus 49ers. You know, um, I'm actually going to go with Minnesota. Ooh, really? How you like that, Ben? Okay, we got Kirk Cousins in an NFC Championship game? Well, hey, I liked Kirk last weekend, man. I mean, he, he showed out. And Green yeah, Bay... with uh, Stephon Diggs. And uh, who's that other wide receiver he's got there? Adam Thielen. Yes, Adam Thielen. That's quite a combination. And then you also have uh, Kyle Rudolph on top of that and Dalvin Cook. There's a lot of weapons there, Darrell. Green Bay versus Seattle. I'm going to go with Green Bay on that, even though it hurts my soul. You can't give the hometown team some love, Ben. You're a Seahawks guy. You're a Seahawks fan. <laughs> I'm a Seahawks fan, but I, but I got to uh, think realistically. They're pretty beat up right now. I know they've won a bunch of games on the road. Now, I wouldn't count them out in this one, but Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and a revamped defense, I think the Packers are going to be ready to rock and roll. And I just think they have less injuries right now. So, you know, that's um, that's why I would probably go with them. Seattle's only way to really win the game or compete, I think, is uh, to be very physical. We know Green Bay's more of a finesse team, and I do think if you can if you can get really physical with them early and just establish that mentality, they got a shot. But Green Bay is my choice. Now, I was thinking about this a couple hours ago. Most underrated sports moment of the decade, and I had two things and two moments came to mind. Jeremy Lin's Linsanity, uh, when he had those 20 or so games when he was averaging like 30 points to assists, it took over New York. And Tebow time in Denver, when they won like seven H Drake games and got to the playoffs and he had that uh, throw against the Steelers. Which one is a more underrated moment and which one will you remember 10 years from now? insanity on that because I think that it brought a lot of Asian Americans who might not otherwise be NBA fans and I, it, it took them and it got them interested in NBA and interested in becoming fans um, I know just a few years ago I was a chess coach out in Texas where I was trying to get through graduate school and I'd go, I'd go, and yeah, you know, I, I actually worked with a number of Asian American students at the time, and I just remember that these kids were not typically kids that enjoyed sports at all, but um, their father was taking them to their first basketball game when Jeremy was playing uh, down in Houston, and they were just so excited to go and, <laughs> and see him play, so... I'm going to go with insanity because I think it brought in a whole lot of people that might not even necessarily be sports fans. Ben, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Anytime, Daryl. It's always a pleasure. And cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to give you the percentages from Wild Card Weekend, where I was right and where I was wrong. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And before we get into uh, my wild card predictions, we're going to get into the percentages like 
we did for the whole season. Um, came out pretty solid. Actually, for Wild Card Weekend, there's only four games, so I could only be so wrong. But we're going to get into that. But first, we're going to do a little crazy. Lazy or maybe. Because we haven't done it in a long time. First, Lakers rumors. Anthony Davis declines. 146 million max contract. Will become free agent. Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported. The Lakers made the offer to Davis on Tuesday, the first day they could under the league's new rules. Haynes reported Davis declined the extension out of salary cap implications and because he wants to focus on this season. Maybe. This is what AD was going to do, right? Maybe it was going to happen. Um, it makes no sense. He can get a lot more money. He can get the max contract, the full super uber duper max, right? Also, if he gets... Uh, All-NBA, right? Or Defensive Player of the Year MVP, something like that. He can get on that, which even ups the money even more. So it makes no monetary sense. And I believe he can get an extra year, too, if he uh, signs next year. So, so it, it makes no sense. Wait till the offseason. Wait till the summer. Also, it gets you to see how the season turns out. What happens? Do you get, Like, you never know what can happen. Things can change. It gives them the most flexibility monetarily and professionally. Pelicans, Zion Williamson will have minutes restriction upon return from injury. Pelicans head coach Alvin Gentry said Tuesday, the team will be overly cautious with rookie forward Zion Williamson when he returns from surgery to repair a torn meniscus in his right knee. Gentry confirmed that will include a minute restriction once Williamson starts playing in the games, though the team still hasn't announced a return date. Maybe... This is what the Pelicans need to do. He's their best asset, most important asset, face the franchise, future of the franchise. Gotta make sure he's healthy. Gotta make sure he's healthy. And if it means easing him back into the game because you know he has that explosive, big, physical, strong, bull of a game, sometimes you gotta rein that in and be like, you can only have that burst for 20 minutes instead of, you have to go 40 right away. Like, ramp it up. It's all about peaking. Like I say in sports, all about peaking. Ramp it up. You don't need to go super hard right now. The Pelicans are a bad team. Ramp it up, and by the maybe by the end of the year, he's playing get high leverage moments, high leverage games with 40 plus minutes. Maybe going playing golf full 48 minutes, whatever the team needs. But right now, it makes no sense. 15 to 20 minutes, ease it back in, get him in a rhythm, get him in a, get him in a flow. Kyle Kuzma trade rumors. Kings have tried to engage in trade talks with Lakers. Sam Aminik of The Athletic reported the Kings are unlikely to be interested in a straight-up deal involving Bo- Bojan Bojanovic, noting Sacramento values his versatility and are comfortable with him being set to enter restricted free agency. Lazy. I'd rather have Bon um, Bondanovic instead of Kuzma. He's a better shooter, a better scorer, a better playmaker. Uh, and honestly, neither of them play much defense. <laughs> But I'd rather have him than Kuzma. So it makes sense why the Kings would not do that deal. Cavs Kevin Love says, I effed up with recent outbursts towards GM and teammates. According to Joe Varden and Sham Serini of The Athletic, Love had an emotional verbal outburst toward general manager Colby Altman on Saturday in which he conveyed his displeasure and disgust with the organization. Love then seemed to show visible frustration with guard Colin Sexton during Saturday's home game against OKC. Now, Love apologized, so I'm going to say crazy. Complain, throw a temper tantrum, be a big baby, K-Love. You want to know why? You're in Cleveland. I live in Cleveland. (laughs) And trust me, I can't wait to leave. (laughs) Right? Uh... No, joking. I love Cleveland. Actually, I like Cleveland. You make an argument. I like Cleveland more than Buffalo. But that's another story for another day. But Cleveland is Kyrie up and left. LeBron up and left. He's a veteran player. He wants to win another championship. He wants to play in the playoffs. And I understand why he's frustrated. Also considering that there were reports last year that Colin Sexton didn't know anything about basketball. And veterans were frustrated with him then. So I understand. Anonymous exec. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick to want to win title without each other. Mike Sando of The Athletic spoke with six NFL executives regarding their takes on the New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady's future following the Pats' 20-13 wildcard loss to the Tennessee Titans on Saturday. One executive posted that Brady and head coach Bill Belichick, who have been together since 2000 and won six Super Bowls, want to find success without each other. 
I subscribe to the theory that Brady and Belichick each want to win championships without each other. The unnamed executive told Santa, Belichick's path to doing that is by getting another high-level quarterback, which he knows he can do only if he drafts one. Lazy. There's a saying in life, folks, sometimes you never know what you had till you lost it. Both Bill, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady need to realize what they were before each other. Tom Brady was a six-rounder. Nobody knew who the hell he was. He was struggling to start at Michigan, right? And Bill Belichick got fired from Cleveland and had a losing record, I believe, at the time with the Patriots before the faithful uh, night when Drew Brees got uh, when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. So a lot can change. And I think they've both been great for each other in their careers. And sometimes you're better with each other than without each other. NBA rumors, Lakers Dwight Howard to participate in 2020 slam dunk contest. Los Angeles Lakers center Dwight Howard has reportedly accepted an invitation to compete in the 2020 slam dunk contest, according to Sham Serini of The Athletic. Howard headlined the event for three straight years from 2007 to 2009 while he was a member of the Orlando Magic and he won the competition in 2008. Crazy. That is nostalgia galore. Who remembers? And it's so funny about a decade ago when he won. That was kind of the birth of Dwight Howard being Superman, right? Uh, when he was Superman, he had that great dunk. That was about the time when I really started getting into basketball. Like I said, like I said, it's been a theme of the show the last couple weeks. The start of the decade, when that was going on, I was in middle school. Like, there was a, and it was interesting, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast too. There was once an argument, and this kind of gets into how good Dwight Howard was at one point. There was once an argument, who would you rather have on your team? Dwight Howard or LeBron James? <laughs> that was an that was an argument. It was a credible argument. That's how dominant and how truly elite Dwight Howard was. But I'm glad to see him back in the league. Glad to see he's playing well. And it's going to be fun to see him in the slam dunk contest. He's a showman. Uh, exciting. Fun-loving dude. Great personality. And lastly, per Stephen A. Smith's anonymous source, told him that Kawhi said, someone tell LeBron to stop being scared to guard me. Maybe Kawhi is feeling some type of way on Bron Bron. Kawhi knows he got the sauce. Kawhi knows he got the goods. Kawhi like LeBron, come here, come, come here. Let me let me put this jump in your face. I love it. I absolutely love it. Love what Kawhi's doing. Love the rivalry it's building too. And anyway, that's it for crazy, lazy, or maybe. Now, I want to get into the wild card weekend. The NFL percentages, playoff, NFL playoff percentages for wild card weekend. So, my AFC prediction. I predicted the Texans would beat the Bills, and I predicted the Titans would beat the Patriots. I was 100% right on that. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. And that's what actually happened in the AFC, right? Texans came back heartbroke. I already ran about that last show. Deshaun Watson came up a clutch. Josh Allen did it. Texans beat Bills. Titans in the Patriots dynasty like I predicted. NFC, my predictions. Saints over Vikings. Seahawks over Eagles. Now, Seahawks over Eagles was right. I, I think most people thought the... Very overqualified. Very overqualified. Very overqualified. Very overqualified. Fifth seed would dominate the 9-7 and seven Eagles who barely edged out, the eked out the disappointing Dallas Cowboys for the fourth seed in the last... Playoff spot in the in the NFC, and I believe the playoffs in general. So, I was fifty percent right on that, half and half, not that bad. But altogether, three for four, seventy-five percent. And the one I was wrong, I did not have enough balls. I didn't have it in me. I didn't have enough gumption, enough courage of my convictions to go with Kirk Cousins going into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. When Drew Brees is across that sideline, Sean Payton's across that sideline, Taysom Hill's across that sideline, Michael Thomas is across that sideline, Alva Kamara's across that sideline, and say, Kirk Cousins is going to beat them. And guess what? Kirk Cousins beat him. Congrats, Kirk Cousins. He's going to be on the road against San Francisco. And that's all we got for this show today. And thank you, everybody, for tuning into this episode, the 118th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.